Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. It is good for us to be together. And if you will, open up your New Testaments. In a moment, we're going to be looking at a passage in 1 Peter. Well, open your Bibles to 1 Peter. Jesus Christ commissioned his disciples to teach and to preach his gospel to the world. And as long as time continues, Christ's commission must be carried out in every generation. And the reason why is because all people sin, all people fall short of God's righteousness and glory, and everybody needs saving. Now, salvation is available, salvation is accessible, and salvation is found only through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, therefore, people need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about what they must do to be saved. And so the call and the work of evangelism is enormous. It is great. It is huge. And the members who compose Christ's body of the saved ones, that is his church, members who are are part of the body of Christ, part of the Lord's church, have a responsibility to do their part according to their ability in sharing the good news of our Lord and Savior with others. Everybody has a part in sharing that news with other people. Now, our attitudes must be one uh, where we are impartially compassionate towards sinners all kinds of sinners. We need to be impartially compassionate. That is what our attitude needs to be. Our thoughts need to be such that they are prayerfully and constantly searching for opportunities, looking for ways that you can sow that seed in some fashion or some form in some way. But we are also supposed to be equipping ourselves, ourselves to do this work of serving in the body of Jesus Christ. And so evangelism is part of that work. It is part of the work of our Lord. It is part of the work of the, of the church of our Lord. And so therefore, it is part of the work of the membership of the body of Jesus Christ. And so we need to be doing what we can do so that Jesus saves and Jesus adds to his church. Now to do that, we have to recognize, we have to acknowledge the fact that all Christians, every Christian, young Christian, older Christians, all Christians are called to individually grow spiritually. We're all supposed to be growing. Yes, we are saved through faith by grace. But individuals who are saved by faith through grace are now Christians. And Christians are God's 
workmanship. So what does it mean? You are a workmanship of God. You belong to God now. And as his workmanship, you're supposed to be working. And you think about that idea here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which is a paragraph that really highlights the fact that sinners are saved you know, by grace through faith, and then reminds us as a result of that, because he saved us by his grace through our faith, he now says to us, we are his workmanship. And we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Well, what kind of works? Well, the works which God beforehand already prepared so that we would walk in them. You and I have been redeemed. We have been cleansed. We have been transformed. We have been remade to work. We have been remade to work. And it work the work that God has prescribed, not just what we want to do, but to work what God has already beforehand prepared. This is what you guys and gals need to be doing now that I paid the price for you so that you not have to bear the woes that are coming with God's judgment of outpouring his righteous wrath on humanity. Now, the changing life of a Christian, though, is a growing process. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of working on ourselves to do that. And I believe in 1 Peter chapter 2, that brings that out. And it's, the, it's not the only passage that highlights the importance of each one of us growing and focusing on our personal growth in a spiritual way. Yeah. In a spiritual way, focusing on personal growth. And so here, as the apostle writes, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long, long for the pure milk of the word so that, you, that by it, by what? By the word that you're supposed to be longing for, by it, you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, there are deeds that we must stop doing. And verse 1 highlights some of those things. There are things that we are not to be doing any longer because we have been raised up to walk in newness of life. And But there are other things, other kind of deeds that we are supposed to be doing, that we are to be practicing as instructed. Now, this requires growth, and it requires us growing in knowledge of what God has said, what God has spoken, and what God has instructed. That is brought out in 2 Peter chapter 1, when it talks about how we are to diligently add to our faith certain attitudes, certain characteristics that are Christ-like, one of those, he says, you're to add 
moral excellence. Another, he says, you're to add knowledge. And he goes to add some other qualities that we are to be growing in as disciples of Jesus Christ. So it's a growing process to grow spiritually as we should. But the purpose of knowledge, the purpose of knowledge is for application and for sharing. What you know in the Lord is for you to apply to your own personal life, and then you're supposed to share it with others. In Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, as we already know in our study on Sunday morning's Bible class, that there are saints in the original audience here that had not grown spiritually as they should have. And so by the Holy Spirit, they are rebuked for their lack of diligence in spiritual things here. And particularly in the idea of their knowledge is not what it should have been at this point in time in their life as a Christian. And so he says, concerning him, we have much to say, speaking of Christ and all that that entails, concerning Christ, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you become to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. Yes, we all begin as newborn babies, but we're not supposed to stay that way. As cute as newborn babies are, we don't, we don't want our newborn babies to stay newborn babies, do we? Neither does God want that of us either. And so he goes on to say in verse 14, solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The divine expectation is that Christians are supposed to be growing. We're all supposed to be growing. Why? So that we can teach others in some capacity so we can teach them in some capacity the way of the Lord. Now, everybody cannot be an evangelist. Everybody cannot publicly, you know, teach in that kind of capacity before a, an assembly. But what about your spouse? What about your children? What about a friend? What about a coworker? What about a new acquaintance? The need for teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the need for evangelism, sounding forth the power of the message that can save souls, that need is a daily need. It's a daily need. And we are to grow and it's, a, and it's a process for all of us, but that's, that's the process we are to be engaged in so that we grow in knowledge so that we can make the right applications to our personal lives and in turn, turn around and share that what we know with others. It's interesting when you think about God's plan of things. That God actually ordained that training is supposed to be going on. 
God ordained that training is to be implemented so that Christians are equipped to do what they're called to do. So they can fulfill the workmanship that they are now made to be. For example, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, you're very familiar with that passage, where it talks about Scripture and the inspiration of Scripture and the fact that this Scripture is from God, and if it's from God, it's important, and we better pay attention to it. And so he says, all Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God. It's not inspired by David Bunting or Leland Ping, or whoever evangelist of great renown historically is not inspired. It's not even inspired by Peter, Paul, and John, though they were servants of God and ministers of the gospel. Is inspired by God. And because inspired of God, he goes on to say, and therefore all scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that, what? Okay, this is what he can do in your life. For, for what purpose, for what goal is this? So that the man of God, and that's what we are supposed to be, so that the man of God may be adequate, some verses say thoroughly furnished, or equipped, equipped for every good work. God's scriptures is the training manual. Now, there's a lot of help books of all different kinds. But the one that's going to train you to preach and teach the message that saves souls is God's scriptures. That's the training manual that we need to know. In and out, through and through, and it's what will train you with the knowledge that will, you know, that will be, and, and encourage you to make the right applications and in turn, the ability to share what you know with others. Now that training inc includes this idea of trusting the gospel and trust in the gospel to others that, so that they will teach others. And so that's exactly what Paul tells the evangel evangelist Timothy to be doing in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. He says, you therefore, my son, verse 1, you therefore, my son, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you heard from me... In the presence of many witnesses, entrust these. Entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It is God's will, it is God's purpose, it is God's plan that members of the body of Christ, Christians, disciples of Jesus, are being trained to do work. And part of that work is to share the good news with others. You don't have to be a preacher as I am. But you can share good news. You can share Christ's good news with others. But it takes training. And it takes training that you seek to achieve purposefully. 
that you decide, I'm going to grow in this way so I can do more. The church itself, the very establishment and the organization of our Lord's church has a number of spiritual purpose, you know, tied within it. And one of the purposes of the body of Christ with its various servants or ministers of Christ is for the equipping of Christians to do this work. Look over in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11 tells us Christ gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Okay, so we got a number of different ministers of Christ, different you know, kinds of servants, different kinds of ministers that are all part of God's plan and purpose in Christ Jesus. But then in verse 12, it says, why? Why, why, has he, why has he appointed these different servants in these capacities? Verse 12 tells you why. He's done this. Jesus has done this. He's given us all these different servants. For what reason? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And so here's the church with its various components of servants. And why do those servants exist? They exist to equip the members of the body of Christ for work, for serving. Think about it. The message of Christ, apostles, and prophets, then and now, still has the same power to equip you. The same message that Peter and Paul preached and achieved great things in the first century is the same message that can achieve great things in you. It's, it's there, the apostles and prophets of the New Testament are equipping you for work and serving. But also it goes on to say, it talks about preachers and shepherds and teachers and their the ultimate goal is to equip Christians, fellow Christians, for what? For working and for serving in Christ. And the building up the body of Christ is not fully accomplished without evangelism. Edification is essential. But it's not fully accomplished without evangelism. The sounding forth of the Lord's word to the lost. And God has ordained that training needs to be implemented so this commission of Christ that has to be carried out by God's people is carried out by God's people in every generation. One exhortation that urges us in that regard is over in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, where we are challenged to be ready to tell others our hope. To tell others the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, but also why I have that hope. In 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning there in verse 14, he says, Even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. 
Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience, so that in the things in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Here's the Apostle Peter writing to first century Christians who are facing all kinds of persecutions because of faith in Jesus Christ. Persecutions because the gospel is going to the world. And so he's urging them to be strong, to keep the faith, but also to be ready to speak. To be ready to tell others their hope the hope that they have in Jesus Christ, even in face of death. And why? The word here, the word defense, or the word answer, depending on your version, comes from a Greek word that looks like something as apologia. It's the same word from which we get our word apologetics. What does this mean? Well, it very simply means, on one hand, it's a verbal defense for charges against you. So there's a defense. Someone you know, makes a charge against you, and so you defend yourself. You have this, in a sense, this apology. You're not saying you're sorry, but you're given a defense against those charges. That's it. But that's only one kind of defense. The other kind of defense is basically a speech, an explanation that states the reasons for your faith, why you believe what you believe. You know, what your hope is and why. And so here's Peter urging the century of the first century and urging the this, this Christians of the 21st century. He says, be ready. Be ready. What do you have to do to get ready? Well, that means you're going to have to work a little bit. You have to get, you know, get your thoughts together. You're going you're to have to do some work to get ready. All right? So, th- th- so there's, there's some diligence that has to be applied here. And I want to suggest you in this passage, there are three steps to readiness. There's three steps to readiness. The first is keep Jesus enthroned in your heart. He says, you're up against persecution. You're up against enemies of of the cross. He says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. He's not talking to the unbeliever. He's talking to the believer. He's talking to disciples. He's talking to Christians. Christians, you better make sure you have Christ sanctified in your heart as Lord. The point is, don't make compromises of faith. There's only one who is Lord of all. Only one. And that's Jesus Christ. No matter what people say in the world, no matter what they could do to you. There's only one who's Lord of all. He says, sanctify him in your heart. Enthrone him in your heart and make sure he is the only one who is the Lord in your life. Because you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God in one hand and something else. Whatever it is, 
You can't elevate anything else on par with God and Christ and the Spirit. So the first step to readiness is keep Jesus enthroned in your heart. The second one is keep your conscience clear with good behavior. Behave yourself. You know, sometimes that's easier said than done. Isn't it, my beloved? But if I'm going to be prepared to give a defense, he says, I've got to make sure Christ is Lord in my heart and throughout my life. And that means I need to behave myself. Light and darkness, righteousness and unrighteousness, they don't fellowship one another. They don't go together. They don't harmonize. So hold to your integrity Walk in the light always because there is no darkness in God. But then thirdly, prepare yourself to give reasons for your faith and hope. You don't have to be a language scholar. You don't have to have a doctorate in some specialty field. Your faith is founded upon Reliable evidences. Your faith is founded upon and grounded in the truth, the absolute truth of God's word. And so what you need to do to be able to have a defense about something in regard to your hope and faith is you need to prepare yourself with what you're going to say when someone comes to ask you something about this or that. Prepare yourself. Formulate your answer. And I would suggest you have just two or three, you know, points that convince you, that are convicting to you. You're not the one who's going to convict the heart. It's God's sword that's going to convict the heart. So all you have to do is, is you have a defense for your hope. You have a defense for your faith. And so, yeah, it's just find whatever the convicting points you like and say, oh, these are, I just, these are impressive to me. I like these. These just really help me in my faith. Whether you're talking about God is, well, you know, well, have two or three points there. Or Christ is the Son of God. Or the Bible is the Word of God. Or creation. Or what must I do to be saved? You don't have to have an encyclopedia in your pocket. Just have a prepared answer about your hope and your faith. But you've got to, you've got to prepare yourself. It starts with the Lord is in your heart. You're living a life for Christ. And you're, and you're getting your answers ready for when that question is asked. Why you believe, what you believe, in whom you believe, and why that's your anchor to face whatever. In conclusion, here are some just very quick helpful hints for evangelists. One, plan to teach in pairs. Plan to teach in pairs. It's not coincidental that uh, when Jesus sent out his disciples, how did he send them? He sent them out in twos. They went together. You know, they were pairs. Can there be more than a pair? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
But the point is, he didn't, you know, he didn't send, okay, Peter, you're all by yourself. No, he sent him out in pairs. You see that in Mark 6. And when you read about Paul's journeys, preaching the gospel to the world there in the book of Acts, Paul had co-workers. You know, he had people coming and going, assisting him in the work of proclaiming the gospel to the world then. And then you have an example over in Acts 18 where you have a husband-wife team working together and being very effective in converting a man by the name of Apollos, but plan to teach in pairs. Another helpful hint is this, is just ask questions. You be the one to ask your acquaintances and your friends questions about their faith. Effective teaching begins with being a good listener. It begins with being a good listener. Ask questions to know where they are spiritually. And a simple thing you can do is you can simply offer to read the Bible with them. Get together once a week to read the Bible together because God's word is the power to save. It will not ever be our eloquence and our knowledge alone. Do we need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. So we can apply the truth to our own life and then share it with others? Yes. But the power is not in us. We are simply the vessel. We are simply a messenger who is filled with God's word. It is God's word that is going to prick the heart. It's the sword, not you and me. We are not the swords. God's word is the sword. But then finally, Kind of along with what we said already, but you know, here you can do, you can prepare something together and practice a little bit so that you can show someone God's plan to redeem sinners. And here's just two suggestions very quickly. Galatians 3 is just an excellent text to start with. In Galatians chapter 3, you have just a, I call it the Reader's Digest version of the scheme of redemption, where it starts with the gospel being preached to Abraham, through God's promise, it says, in the meantime, God gave a law to his chosen people, Israel, but then one day, the, the, the seed arrived, and now we're all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 is a perfect text for you to familiar yourself with, prepare your material, you practice it, and then start offering to present that to someone who needs to hear the good news. Or maybe... Choose you know, you know, a select number of, of promises and prophecies of the Old Testament about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ. Maybe pick the ones that you, you like the most. There's a lot there. You, know, you probably don't want to cover every prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus in one sitting. So pick the ones that you really like that are very impactful and then show them how Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of those prophecies and therefore salvation is in no other but Jesus Christ. Saving souls is all important. It is urgent that we do that work. It is so important to God. It is so important to God, to our creator. What did he do? How important is saving souls to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? How important is it? It's so important that he sent the son to atone and to propitiate 
for our sins in this room, but not just for ours, for the sins of all the world throughout time. That's how important it is. And the gospel of Jesus Christ reveals to you what you must do to be saved. Are you? Are you saved? Have your sins been forgiven by a loving God who one day will pour out his wrath on mankind for their, their rebellion and unbelief and disobedience? That day is coming. I don't know when it is. Nobody does, but the Father does. God, our Father, knows when that day will occur. But are you ready for that day? Jesus died for you so you can be cleansed, so you can be forgiven, and so you can have the hope of salvation, eternal life. If you believe Jesus to be the Christ, you believe that with all your heart, you believe him to be God's son, that he died on Calvary's cross, he was raised on the third day, you believe that with all your heart, but you've not obeyed the gospel, why not do that today? We're ready to assist you in that. Confess your faith with your mouth unashamedly of Jesus Christ being God's son and repent of your sins. Make that decision in your heart that you, you're going to turn your life around right now and it begins by you being willing and being baptized into Jesus Christ as he commanded for your forgiveness. If you are a Christian, but maybe there is sin in your life that you've not corrected that you need to correct with your Father and with your Savior, if we can assist you as well. We invite all in need to come forward, make your wishes known, while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.